Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. What do Kim Kardashian and NFL football have in common? We're going to find out, I hope. Not the obvious. I know there are some obvious answers just popped into people's heads, <laughs> but it's all coming uh, now your Now, if way. it was the Kardashian and the NBA, that would be a completely different podcast. But we're talking about Kim Kardashian. She hosted Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of stuff going on in the world of sports. Right, so we'll talk about all of that. But first, the digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing that drives your business's success. Today is your online opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started. I'm Kim Kardashian West, and it's so great to be here tonight. I know, I'm surprised to see me here too. (laughs) When they asked, uh, I was like, you want me to host? Why? I haven't had a movie premiere in a really long time. (laughs) I mean, actually, I only had that one movie come out and no one told me it was even premiering. (laughs) It must have slipped my mom's mind. I'm excited to be here tonight to show you guys that I'm so much more than just a pretty face. There is so much pearl clutching going on in New York and Hollywood right now about Kim Kardashian, famous for being famous, hosting Saturday Night Live. What is pearl clutching? What do you mean by pearl clutching? I guess that's when you get Grandma Pearl and you hold on to her. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's the idea of like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Sort of false outrage, you're saying, people acting uh, higher than thou, high high and mighty and all that kind of stuff. Well, count me among pearl clutchers, I have to say. Uh, Listen, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live, we've talked so much about it and we've been singing the praises of the show the last few years. But, you know, they still want to put themselves out there as this independent, voice politically incorrect and then they sell out from time to time and this is not the first time they completely sell out by saying let's have kim kardashian on because she has hundreds of millions of followers not even tens of millions of followers and i I actually said it on the show 360 million she did and you know and here's the other thing too somebody came up with this term influencer which now assigns an actual job to all these people (laughs) so if you shake your ass on tiktok or if you twirl a cat around, you know, on some website, you're like, I'm an influencer. <laughs> you know, you know, Olivia Jade, you know, the daughter of Lori yeah. Laughlin and that other and that idiot husband that, that <laughs> paid for her to go to school and be on the rowing team when she was really just on a yacht. Uh, you know, there's like, well, she's an influencer. And I guess you are if you have that many followers. But I was nauseated by the whole thing, Ro. I was very disappointed in, in Saturday Night Live. It's like we've got Owen Wilson, you know, the, on the premiere episode this year, a talented, funny, accomplished guy. And then episode two is Kim Kardashian. And I want to talk to you about this monologue. I want to get your take, first of all, all about right. this monologue. What did you think of her opening monologue? Well, they had to make her into something because they knew that they were selling out to put her on. And this, by the way, is by far not the first time they did it. Remember when they put Donald Trump on in 2015? That was worse. That was worse. He announced he was running for president. Yeah. I think he was also in that early slot of the season, too. You know, yeah. that, that the yeah. first four he shows. He played them completely. Trump played them completely and got all the all the publicity out of that. And that was shameful for but them to do that. They chose to do it because they know early on they have to have a first good four weeks. Because mm-hmm. the schedule for Saturday Night Live forever has been first four weeks, couple weeks off, then four, then four. They do it in four-week increments yeah. generally, depending on what other things are happening. Okay. So they try to be consistent 
they need a big opening. They need they need to have something in those first four weeks because they sell the rest of the advertising for the year based on that. So you're actually uh, reinforcing my point that it was a complete sellout in more ways than one. So the monologue, Kim Kardashian goes out there. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, oh, she's very comfortable and she's very natural. Well, she's been on television for 20 years. She is a natural person. She's not, mm-hmm. a, she's not an actress, but she's certainly comfortable. Cameras have been following her and her entire family around for a very long time, starting with uh, J.J. Ray or whatever the guy's name was, the rapper <laughs> in the sex tape, you know. So, you know, <laughs> you can call me Ray and you can call me Ray J. Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, uh, yes, him. So she goes out there and it's all about being self-deprecating, right? She talks about how she doesn't, you know, oh, it's been a long time since I did a movie premiere and the only one I ever done was a sex tape. To me, it obviously it's written. It was written by a team of very smart writers. I don't believe that she believed a fucking word she said during that <laughs> monologue and it was so disingenuous and craven and yeah. cynical. So and yeah. she talks about now if folks don't know her father, Robert Kardashian was one of the attorneys, that one of the defense attorneys for O.J. Simpson. He was very good friends with O.J. Simpson. The families were close. And she even talked about how O.J. Simpson was the first black man she met, which was just, an, you know, as a child, which was just an odd way of putting it. And then she took some shots at O.J. Simpson. And people were like, oh, wow, edgy. I'm like, really? She took some shots at somebody who murdered two people 30 years ago? And again, it just seemed like, you know, she was just reciting what was written she made jokes about her husband or now ex-husband, I guess, Kanye West. None of it felt like something that she would really want to say. She's just fine saying it because, okay, why not? I'll show everybody I have a sense of humor about myself. Mm-hmm. At the end of the show, she actually thanked her family for putting up with the jokes that were written for her. I, I was really taken aback, I will say this, by the one joke about O.J. Simpson, he leaves a mark on you, was her punchline yeah. to why she remembers the first black person she ever met and then followed that up with maybe multiple marks. Now you still have a family that is grieving from the loss of the Goldman family. Yeah. And, and many, many friends of Nicole, uh, very close friends and, and, and family members who are, you know, a hundred percent convinced that uh, OJ Simpson killed their daughter, their friend, their aunt, whatever the case may be. Uh, if, she had any integrity, she would have told the writers, I'm not going to do that joke. Yeah. That's my biggest criticism of her performance throughout that entire night. And she, and she you know, took shots at Caitlyn Jenner as well, which, again, it just seems sort of like at this point we're going to make those jokes. Uh, and, you know, the OJ stuff, going back to the two, her father, Robert Kardashian, who, who passed away years and years ago, um, bro, you covered the trial, you know, extensively, and you know this. You know, it, at first it was like, friends of O.J. Simpson who were attorneys who were on his defense team. And then the table kept getting bigger and bigger with bigger and bigger names. And people would get moved down the table. Right. And if you go back and look at the footage, Robert Kardashian is the man at the table whose mouth is agape in shock when the not guilty verdicts are read. He, You know at that point he had believed, yeah, O.J. Simpson had done it. And he was just in this position where he was a friend. He had signed on as a defense attorney. He has oaths to keep. But you you could see he was shocked that they found him not guilty. If you go back and watch American Crime Story, they actually play that very well. Because the Robert Kardashian character there is pretty accurate, except for the one scene. It was Schwimmer, right? David Schwimmer played right. him, right? Yeah. Except for the one scene in which 
he, he was in a cafe or diner or something with his little girls, yeah. right? Would grow Which up to be, be the Kardashians, yeah, exactly. right? He was talking to them about the trial and trying yeah. to make everything okay. And that was weird. That, 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 That's when you really get into, based on a true story, speculative fiction about right. a conversation that probably never happened. Uh, but you know, in terms of, of the monologue itself, to me, it just made me feel like, uh, it gave me a, a feeling I wanted to shower after that because I just thought everybody involved, the writing was very crisp and strong, but I don't think she questioned any of it. I don't think she believed any of it. And I don't think she really thought about the ramifications of any of it for someone whose whole entire life is planned out. Whoa, whoa. What ramifications is she going to have? She not. It's just it doesn't matter. You know the the adage about all publicity is good publicity is actually not true for most people. It's not it's true. true. You know you don't want the negative publicity in most cases. That's a, that's something from like the 30s. You know all publicity is good publicity. I'm gonna put you in my column. Yeah, you know, no. but but in the case of the Kardashians, it's pretty much true. They're Teflon because if they get if they get called names or if they if in this case if it causes controversy then it's like on the next episode of the reality show or on her Instagram or, you know she's going to comment on that it's just this cyclical thing and it all just feeds into their brand which is a billion dollar brand. You brought it up early, but you and I think a lot of people seem to forget over and over and over again that she became famous from an indifferent performance in a porn video. They say there might be a sequel to that, you know, of, uh, well, I should say stuff that was left on the cutting room bedroom floor, that there's a second one coming out. <laughs> and a lot of people cynically say, listen, you know, that'd be good for her. Want to go back what more than a you know dozen years now. She was kind of like Paris Hilton's assistant hanger on, you know, Paris Hilton used to kind of laugh at her. And then it got to the point where Kim Kardashian wasn't allowing Paris Hilton into her parties, you know, in the battle of the idiots uh, there, you know. And I do want to talk, and speaking of Paris Hilton, Ro, uh, I want to talk to you about some of the other infamous guest hosts on Saturday Night Live. Which will and, make my point, but go yeah, ahead. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, and Paris Hilton yeah. was, you know, at the height of her fame in 2005. And Tina Fey, who obviously has a very biting and cutting uh, edge sense of humor and can tear people apart, but is also a kind person and also not someone who talks a lot in public, has said publicly that Paris Hilton was a nightmare. What she didn't like about her was that, that Paris Hilton didn't respect the process of the show. She just wanted to do, I'll just do funny things. And I, I would say this about Kim Kardashian. My guess is that she was very respectful for the process, mm -hmm. for the way it, you know, it works. I bet she was there for the rehearsals. She's a professional in that respect. And Paris Hilton, they say, was horrific, as was Steven Seagal. That's uh, the other one who always who gets there. They always talk about. And uh, another another uh, guest host who always gets ripped historically for his appearance is a great actor, is Adrian Brody, who had won the Oscar and really, and, and I've seen him a couple of times. I don't know him at all, but he was one of those guys like winning the Oscar was the worst thing in the world because he's the kind of guy, remember when he did that make out with Halle Berry, which was completely inappropriate. He he felt like when he won the Oscar, he could do anything he wanted in the world. And you got the feeling that when he was meeting people, he'd be like, hi, Oscar winner, Adrian Brody, how are you? <laughs> and he decided that he wanted every one of his characters to either have dreadlocks or be a hip hop guy. And they kind of started writing him out of the show halfway through the show. Because he really wanted to be, he's like, I'm going to do all of my characters should be hip hop. Because when you see Adrian Brody and hear Adrian Brody, you think hip hop. You're right. Well, he went Plagans type. He wanted to show his range. <laughs>
Adrian Brody ended up doing beer commercials. I mean, it's, and he's done. Yeah. A, he's had a nice career as an independent film guy, but he never lived up to what. Yeah, he's he was a character actor, and he's actually in a movie we're going to talk about next week, and and quite good in it. I want to tell you, and I know you've you've had the experience of being like literally at Lorne Michaels' side for you know uh, sessions of of Saturday Night Live. I've been there for a couple of the live performances of Saturday Night Live, and unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got uh, invited one time in the year 2000, and the host was Tom Green. Oh. Now, if people don't know the name Tom Green, he was a huge deal in the late 90s and early 2000s. He was after Paulie Shore, like this shock comedian. He was all about doing stuff, almost like before Jackass, you know, like Mm -hmm. humor involving dead animals and slime and garbage like that. Um he did a movie called Freddy Got Fingered, which I had on the list of one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, and he got engaged to Drew Barrymore in the middle of all that. So the episode I saw, Ro, he goes out there at the beginning of his monologue. He says, I'm going to marry Drew Barrymore live at the end of this episode. So, of course, we're all like, wow, we're going to be in for this kind of, you know, Tiny Tim years ago when the Johnny Carson show got married. People can look that up. But uh, I was like, we're going to see Tom Green get married to Drew Barrymore on Saturday Night Live. I and mean, he was the kind of comic that might pull off something like that. And we go through the show and it's awful. And then at the end of the show, he goes, oh, I was just kidding. She's not even here. And I was like, well, that's not funny. That's just stupid. So we've had some bad, bad guest hosts through the years. All right, this is a good moment to stop this conversation about Kim Kardashian because we're now wasting more crypto bites or whatever the hell this is. Crypto bites. Yeah, on, on That's her. a fantastic breakfast cereal for the kids these days. Thank you. Crypto but I, bites. We're going to talk about sports on the other side. But speaking of sports, before I leave Kim Kardashian completely behind, there was one sketch on Saturday Night Live that I actually did appreciate, and that was the take on the Bachelorette that they did. And they actually brought in <laughs> athletes, NBA stars, yeah. to be in it just to play on the whole Kardashian NBA yes. connection, the whole deal. I, I mean, they are unflinching about all of that. I've, I've truly never understood uh, where where's where are the parents here? Where's the mom? Why isn't she? Oh, oh, the mom's the manager. <laughs> I thought you meant the parents of the NBA players. I was I would just say this to put a bow on this, Rokan. Yeah, you know NBA draftees, and they do this with all the you know professional athletes. Now they have seminars, like two or three days, uh, where they talk to these young, talented, and soon to be very wealthy athletes about how to handle social media, the pressures that you're going to be dealing with, uh, hangers-on who want to get your money, uh, all that type of thing. I think they should also have a slideshow of the Kardashians. Like they did in Animal House when they showed Flounder and Pinto. Uh, It's like, you know, be careful here. I have an idea. The Kardashian draft. So every player comes up, gets ping pong balls going, and then the next thing you know, you get to have... Uh, which Kardashian go. or oh, I guess my. Jenner of your choice because oh, I believe that they are available to be drafted oh jeez is it too soon for that it's time to talk about Portillo's the finest fast casual experience you're going to have in all of dining Portillo's you know not just hot dogs but you know when it started in Chicago people were like oh it's a hot dog shop oh wait oh wait we got we got Italian beef wait we got Italian sausage wait you got chocolate cake <laughs> Oh man, it's just uh, it's just one of the great experiences you can have, and I, I think I just said this a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. If you live somewhere where Portillo's is new, in California, Arizona, parts of Florida, check it out. Go have the chocolate cake. 
you get a little slice of home if you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago, or you're from the East Coast too, because you know that that food will be very familiar to you as street food. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, ah, oh, you know, am I gonna, you know, it's gonna be so heavy. It's not. Mm. And can I just tell you something? Mm. The best thing about Portillo's mm. is that bun that they put the Italian beef on yeah, yeah. that you get now when you get that dipped and it gets all wet. Yeah. That is the perfect piece of bread. <laughs> and, you know, carbs be damned. You can do it once a month. You're sure. not going to hurt anything. You'll be fine. Portillo's.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S is how you spell that. Portillo's.com. Find a store near you or order online and you can get it anywhere in the United States of America. Portillo's.com. On to the sporting world. What a weekend of television it was for college football. The one thing I'll say, too, between college football and the NFL, which is on almost every night now, I can't believe there's not Wednesday night football, you know, with Carrie Underwood. I, you know, it's hump day! Uh, and, and even, you know, and Major League Baseball, same thing. The playoffs, they're on Fox, they're on TBS, they're on FS123, they're on MLB. So you have to do my clicker actually put in for Workman's Comp this weekend because it's like trying to find all these games. Uh, and, it, and it's fantastic. And I want to talk to you about some specific games. By the way, congratulations. Your Ohio State University Buckeyes had a crushing big victory, and they right. needed that. But I want to talk a little bit about... Okay, this is the but, old sneak in at the end to make it to the Final Four, essentially. And then lose the 31-7 to to Alabama. Yeah. Who lost, by the way. Right. But so, before we get to football, yeah. I want to get your take on this, Rowan. I know people know we're in Chicago Chicago White Sox are uh, playing the Houston Astros in the American League Division Series. First two games in Houston, the Astros won Sunday night in Chicago. It was a beautiful, like, summer-type night. 40,000 fans. They called it a blackout. All the fans dressed in black. And it was an amazing game. Actually, I think it was more like a Little League game when you look back on it. Mm -hmm. uh, Astros go up 5-1. to one. Then the White Sox come back, and it was like, there's a fly ball, but it's going to be a home run. There's the little guy in the field, hits it 700 feet. Wait, now there's a ground ball to first, and the runner got hit. What do we do? And then the umps and the managers are arguing, and then there's more hits, and then there's crazy bounces and everything. Fantastically entertaining game. The White Sox come back and win it, and now there's a game four coming up uh, on Tuesday, right around the time you'll be listening, uh, and this podcast will be dropping. But the story that's making the rounds and getting more attention than anything else on social media, row because this is the world we live in, is John Cusack, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Chicago area guy, who's mm -hmm. you know a, an actor. Of course, everybody knows who John Cusack is, going all the way back, God, now twenty five years. Uh, he was at the game uh, in his White Sox cap, rooting for the White Sox, and this has been something you know local fans have talked about for years because John Cusack is a Cubs fan, first and foremost. He once famously went on Oprah. She said, describe a perfect day, and it ended with the Cubs winning, and that's fine. He also famously didn't stand up for the national anthem a couple of years ago at a Cubs game and endured a lot of criticism. Over, yeah. yeah. So And yeah, and he's very active, and we could get into all of that on some other you know uh, podcast. Uh, but, <laughs> pass. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll pass on that. So in 2005, though, he, I started seeing him at White Sox games, and I wrote a book that year called Sox in the City, still available, by the way, on Amazon.com. And I talked about it, the fact that you know, Cusack's a little bit of what I call a bisexual. All of a sudden, he became a White Sox fan. Uh, he started going to the games. And, you know, I don't really have a huge problem with that. He's a baseball fan, so he's at the game. So one of these guys from Barstool Sports, and there's so many of them, I don't know, one of these guys confronts Cusack after the game and tells him, you don't have the right to root for the White Sox. You don't have 
the standing. I haven't seen you here as if like you'd see him at a game where there's 40,000 people. You and I have been at the same game and I didn't see you. Right. Uh, and of course, just by accident, somebody happened to record this on their phone. And I'll say this. Cusack handled it pretty well. He even said stuff like, you know, hey, do you know who Mike Squires is? He was the 1983 White Sox first baseman. He started throwing some, like, White Sox knowledge at him. They went back and forth, and the guy just, you know, the barstool guy kept saying, like, I still don't think you should be here. And Cusack said, I think we should agree to disagree. Fist bump walked off. It gets, like, 4 million views now, and everybody's got an opinion about this. Yay for the barstool guy. You know, ah, the barstool guy is a jerk. What is your take on this whole confrontation, Rokan? Next October, the Barstool guy will be hosting Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's my thought. That's fantastic. I think just being an a-hole is enough to get you in the door in the modern media world. That's as simple as it gets. So he wanted a confrontation. He forced one up. Cusack is a baseball fan. He clearly knew things. He played a Chicago White Sox in one of the greatest he, movies yeah. ever about the yeah. team. He was Buck Weaver in Eight Men Out. So he's been a white so he's been wearing White Sox colors for 102 years, you could say. <laughs> I you look suppose at it that's that way. true. So it's yeah. just something to to like gin a deal up and we're going to say something obnoxious and we're going to get all kinds of attention for saying it and I found a guy who's who's actually 1 million times more yeah. important and more famous than I am. So I'm going to try to take him down and that's going to elevate me. And that's kind of where we live. And then he did a follow-up video where he talked about the confrontation and said, you know, I know a lot of people are giving me shit, but you know, and then he said the famous thing, it is what it is, which means fucking nothing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, kind of, I still stand by what I said. I don't think he should be out there. You know, listen, first of all, well, let talking. me, hold on, hold okay. on, hold on. I just yeah. gotta, I gotta jump in here. You know, uh, we got a lot of things going on in the world. Exactly. Uh, we got a lot of things going on in Chicago yeah. uh, that are you know, far more important than this. Even in Chicago sports. Yeah. But it's something that people are talking about, and that's why we're talking about it. You know, my and the guy said something about too, like, well, you know, I think he was offended because Cusack was in the second row. You know, he gets the great seats. Well, guess what? Yeah. If you got the money or the status, you get the great seats. You think that every one of those celebrities courtside at the Knicks game is knows about Clyde the Glide Frazier and Earl the Pearl Monroe and Dave DeBusher <laughs> and the Knicks of the early 70s. And especially with baseball, too. And I love that they do this. Fox in particular, for a lot of these early playoff games, they'll be like, why, those are the stars of the Big Leap, which just premiered on Fox. And they're in the second row wearing their Dodgers caps and still have the silver little tag on them and stuff. They're like, no, don't know which way to look. So, yeah. In Cusack's case, I would say this. He's definitely a baseball fan. He has said for years he believes you can root for both teams. I don't, I don't have – it's sort of like the Chicago hot dog thing. It's like I don't give a shit if you want to put ketchup on your hot dog. You're not putting it on my hot dog. So – and I, I also – and I've always said this to you, Ro, and I, I think you agree, and I'll let you – right. you'll have the floor you'll on this. Find but out. I don't believe in confronting anybody in public. You know, when they're when – they're even – yes, they're out in public and they're a public figure, but they're a private citizen. If you want to confront John Cusack at a rally – where he's making a point or, you know, stating his cause, that's fine. If you want to call into a radio show when a politician is on, that's fine. But I don't care if it's Ted Cruz or Bernie Sanders. I think if they're in a restaurant with their family, leave them alone. Even if you think they're the worst human being in the world, you're not going to accomplish anything other than you're going to look like an asshole. Well, I would say that though those rules are off now. There, there are There is no sense of decorum or privacy Social media has ruined privacy. Even people who choose to be private on social media either don't have accounts or they're very quiet on those social media accounts. 
they're not private. Nobody is private anymore. And so if a guy from the social media world, which essentially is barstool sports, right, mm. the digital world, he decides he needs to make some sort of an attraction out of himself, yeah. he's going to do it. Because the only way that you blip now in the media, even I think it's even kind of becoming true in the major old school media of film and television you have to do something outrageous because then everybody go, oh man, I, yeah. I heard about that on Facebook or I heard about that on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is. Yeah. So, no, I, you're right. And the only thing that has changed is that now there are phones recording it. You and I, you know, locally and nationally have been fortunate enough to, been a, to have done radio and TV and all kinds of things. And we've both been out where someone has come up to one or both of us and decided that they're going to give us their opinion about whatever. Sometimes it's to tell us what we should have done and it's giving us constructive criticism that we didn't ask for. Sometimes it's to tell us that we <laughs> suck. And, and, you know, occasionally, and I'm not saying this happens all the time, but, you know, sometimes it's just, it happened to me recently at a private party. Somebody walked up to me and wanted to tell me that they've never agreed with anything I've ever said, ever written, ever thought, basically. And this is like a 65-year-old man at a private event celebrating somebody else. And I thought, you know, why do you think I give a shit? But also, like, you know, <laughs> what are we, what's going to happen? Am I going to say, you're right, let me go back and change my opinion? I'm not, I, did, I just said, you know what, I appreciate your opinion. I moved on. I'm not going to engage, you're not going to get me, I'm not going to rise to the bait. But you see that all the time. You saw that with Chris Cuomo when he was having dinner with his family and somebody kind of made a slur and called him Guido. And then all of a sudden Cuomo wanted to take him and throw him down the stairs. And you can't win there. You know, if you respond, and the and the people doing it, it's like, shut up. Leave him alone. Don't throw ice at, to uh, what's her name, Tommy Laren, Tommy Laren. Somebody <laughs> threw ice at her at one point. Or, you know, tell uh, somebody, that, yeah, I think you're the worst person in the world because you didn't pass this bill. It's not going to help. Why do bucks have horns? What? Who? Why do bucks have horns? Because uh, when they see each other out in the field, mm -hmm. and they decide they're going to be more famous with the girls or whatever else they want or the food source, they're going to try to toss the other guy off. And sometimes you get a little buck, tiny uh. little, maybe a little, little greenhorn, some <laughs> kind of decides it wants to take on a guy with 12 antlers or whatever the hell it is. And it doesn't end well generally, but that's the way of the world. And we have become like that. I mean, yeah. there was a moment, it seems to me, and maybe I've just made this up in my head, but it seems to me that we behaved differently before all of this. And we behaved mm -hmm. differently in the last century, which is not all that long ago, although we're more than a fifth of the way through this one. So that kind of freaks me out. But we behaved in a way that we didn't have to live by the laws of the jungle. There was a certain amount of civilization that went on. And you go, well, you know, that's impolite to to call somebody out at a game but there's always going to be some drunk guy who's going to do it no matter what and then there's going to be some social media guy so i guess social media is now the beer muscles of this generation <laughs> well let's uh, end this on a more positive note because yes. i do want to say and we don't have time to get through all of the networks and announcers and everything but i just love the fact that on saturday row it was one of the most amazing saturdays in college football history uh, Michigan edging Nebraska in a primetime game that went down to the wire. Old Miss beating Arkansas 52-51. to Now, if you went back to the 50s and told the coaches for Old Miss and Arkansas that there'd be a 52-51 to game, they'd say, well, that's a high-scoring basketball game. What was the football score? <laughs> I mean, 52. Sorry for my bad Old Miss-Arkansas accents. But 52-51. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the Oklahoma, Texas, what do they call that? The Red River right. rivalry. Say right. that three times fast. 
Uh, it was the greatest comeback ever. It was 28-7. to 7. Texas was up. Oklahoma came all the way back. There was a pylon cam shot at one point where you saw the toe of the player like with like one blade of grass. He was inbound, so the coverage is amazing. And then, of course, Texas A&M upsets number one Alabama. And I will say this. This is what I love about social media. I'm on the Twitter. I've got, I think, the Michigan-Nebraska game on in the background. And then uh, I think the Dodgers are playing the Giants. I didn't really care about Texas A&M-Alabama because I figured it's going to be 34-7 Alabama. And then you start seeing upset alert on the Twitter feed. And then, you know, Alabama fans, what's happening? No tide. And then, you know, and then you're like, oh, shit. Then I'm like, now I got to find it. So you guys, you start searching Texas A, and it's like, we have nothing for Texas A, Texas A&M. Okay, it's on ESPN, but you never, you know, you have to click around. But it was amazing to see uh, so many, I mean, listen, we love the NFL, but the the college football, when you beat that number one team. Oh, that's huge. And they're all, the kids all run out onto the field. And we even had Iowa and Penn State in a top five matchup. You almost never get a Big Ten top five matchup that doesn't involve your Ohio State University or Michigan. So amazing, amazing weekend. Super fun. I was lucky enough to be completely hungover on Saturday. Congratulations. I never really got out of bed. I just watched things until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, got up, ate, went to the couch. I just moved bed to couch. I think there are a lot of people who can relate to this. Bed to couch. And then and then back to bed again. But then you're, you're kind like of farm energized. That's like farm to table, right? Bed to couch. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. There's no middle person. No, there isn't. And, then you, and you get back in bed after right. you've been on the couch. And <laughs> I had not showered yet. And I'm like, oh, should I shower before? It's like you have that kind of weird, musty feeling like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to sleep and wake <laughs> up and work out and then shower. Sure. That's what I'm going to do. Sure you are. I spent... Basically, Sunday, like I did Saturday. But it's okay, because that's the time of year we got now for those. nesting and sort of marinating in your nesting own juices. Nesting and marinating. Yeah. Uh, the morning team, the great radio show. <laughs> I, I want to conclude by saying there are no, there is absolutely no truth to the rumors that John Cusack was at the Texas-Oklahoma game and switched hats from Texas to Oklahoma halfway through. Not true. Thank you for clarifying that. The Roan Rubber Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Special thanks to Renee Nelson and Tim Melanius, our executive producers, and Demita Menezes, who is our amazing editor and production director. We'll see you next time.